0: Hey Siri, play Culture and Combos, episode four. This is the hardest working man in radio, the flyjack Tom Joyner. And I'm Sybil Wilkes. And you're listening to Culture and Combos. Only good vibes and conversation. Yeah. I'm passion, I got pride in my veins. It yeah. yeah. gonna hit it. No, they cannot duplicate it. Or the power without it. truth, the power, the youth, perception, perspective, wretched to riches, life is a blessing, always respect it. Talking multicultural knowledge, we are the edge, reaching new heights, so precision is the vision, everything we do, we do it precise, Form, form, form. culture, gotcha. gotcha. culture, hey, hey, hey. It's Nadia here, your producer of Culture and Combos, the podcast. Listen, thanks so much for coming back to the show. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. I mean, man, we can see the engagement. We're watching our numbers grow. We're watching the listeners. We're watching the subscribers. And we're just honestly honored to be providing content that you guys actually want to hear. Let me tell you something. Cool thing that happened to us. So actually, this episode you're about to listen to, we went live on Facebook with, and we reached 1,200 viewers in the first night. Booyah! (laughs) Not gonna lie, though, we did have some pretty cool guests. So our first guest was Hill Harper, who is the actor and activist that you've probably seen on The Good Doctor. Or... If you're a bookworm like myself, you may have one of his best-selling books sitting right now in your Amazon prom card. Shout out to Hill Harper. And our second guest is Karen Boykin-Towns, who's the vice chairman of NAACP's board of directors. And if you haven't heard, NAACP actually sealed a partnership with Beyonce, giving grants to small Black-owned businesses. What's my name? Beyonce, and shout out to NLACP. Aside from that, Karen used to be Pfizer's first diversity chief officer for years, but has now moved on and actually runs her own successful agency called Encore Strategies. So, Nadia, why did you bring them on the show? To be honest, we wanted to address corporate America's social responsibility in this ongoing civil movement, right? The idea of not just valuing Black influence, but also the actual Black life. And we also want to talk about the responsibility of our black influencers, right? That's your celebrities, your social media influencers, your community leaders. Why is it important to use your platform and what difference does it actually make? Leading today's conversation is Precise Communications CEO and President Alexis Davis-Smith. We really hope you enjoy this episode because we put a lot of work into this one, okay? Without further ado, here is Maximizing Black Voices and Brand Power, social change.
1: But first, I just want to say thank you all for joining us. And if you are not aware of what Culture and Convos is, it's a podcast produced by our agency, Precise Communications, which we are an award-winning marketing communications firm based in Atlanta. And we specialize in connecting leading consumer brands with multicultural consumers, primarily in the African-American and Hispanic space. We have created this podcast to disrupt the marketing communications industry because they need to do things a little bit differently and recognizing the power and the viability of tapping into multicultural audiences and the $4 trillion that they offer. So this show is really designed for public relations and marketing communications professionals to give them insights into how culture influences everything, but especially when we start talking about people of color color. So that's a quick introduction. Okay. So we're just going to get started. We're going to dive in. Cause like I told Karen earlier in our little pre-call is listen, I'm going to try not to talk a lot because everybody is joined because they want to talk to you, Karen and you Hill, you all are the stars. And there's a reason why we called you for this particular conversation. And as you know, this episode is called maximizing black voices and brand power for social change. Um, over the last two to three months, well, let's let's first start by acknowledging that 2020 has been Ugh. a crazy, <laughs> unprecedented, and probably not one of the best years of our lives. <laughs> but we are all hoping that we come out of this better and stronger as a country and a world and a humanity. Um, so, you know, in March we had, well, March is when it really hit. We had this global pandemic hit us, you know, across the world, but definitely in the United States around March. And then as the summer hit, the other pandemic of the 400 year old societal disease of racism really seemed to hit an all time high. You know, we had the brutal deaths and murders of Ahmaud Bar- Arbery, um, Brianna Taylor, which you know they call an accident, and then especially George Floyd. And cases continue to happen, which is incredibly surprising to me. Karen and I were talking about one a little bit earlier that happened today. Um, and what we've seen is not only a national uprising, but an international rally for greater social justice for Black people. And the crazy thing, and this astonishing but pleasantly surprising thing, is we saw brands come out and talk about Black Lives Matter when a, two, a, a few years ago, maybe like two years ago, they would've never even said the phrase Black Lives Matter.
2: Two years well, ago? Like, what yeah, about a few months before that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, right. So what I'd like to do
1: before we get into kind of like the, the the industry focus and perspectives and insight, I just want to talk about where we are now. Like, Karen, where do you think we are in terms of this moment and movement in time? Like, what do you think it means for America?
2: Wow. Well, I think it means everything, uh, quite frankly, just complete everything. And, uh, it was last night that, uh, we had once again on tape on video, uh, you know, a cop shoot Jacob, uh, uh, Blake in the back seven times. Thank God he is, uh, still alive. He's in ICU. Uh, but there's a lot of questions once again. And it's, and it's like, enough is enough already. This this is a time where we just cannot believe what we're seeing. Some people are becoming despondent, but more people are becoming like, oh no, we cannot take this. And so while we what we see is in our communities and outside our communities, just this, because we're sort of home, kind of still in quarantine a bit, where we have a hyper focus on what we're seeing and it is not okay. It is not okay. And so what we have to know is that, you know, we're better than this. And ultimately we have to hold those accountable, whether it's the police, whether it's the sheriff's department, where is the local county legislator, the mayor, the state legislator, the governor, all, you know, just up and down the food chain on this because um, it's like our lives don't matter. They're not valued. They, uh, police come, and listen, I have members in my family who are police. So I understand, you know, so it's not about being against the police, but it's saying why you cannot come in our communities, uh, whether you're scared or what, If you're scared, maybe you should find a different line of work, but you can't come in our communities hyped up and just shooting—it's about de-escalation, and 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 what we and what we saw on that video. And his his boys were in the car, his sons were in the car, and they watched their father get shot. It's just—it's just enough. And what this means is that we have to stay with the fight. We can't say, "Oh, my voice does not matter." We are having an impact. We really are. And it is evident by what we have seen where in some of these rallies, you see more people that don't look like us than look like us, which is us having to come together and say, this is not okay. We have to come to the table to talk about how do we value lives, Black lives, but also how do we begin to talk about equity? How do we talk about opportunity? How do we say, This system that we have is not fair. And we have to figure out how to do it better.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. Hill, what are are your thoughts? You saw, you know, internationally, even in Australia, you know, they took to the streets and, you know, held signs that said Black Lives Matter. And and Karen said a lot of people that were protesting were people that did not look like us. Where do you feel like we are in this moment of time? And are you
3: optimistic about real change? You know, um, I think Karen is absolutely right. Uh, activism matters, mm-hmm. energy matters. Mm-hmm. And we are in a, in, a, in, a, in a deep, deep, deep inflection point. But I'm, I'm probably gonna say something that, that, that may rub a few folks the wrong way, but I just have to be really honest and transparent because seeing Brother Jacob Blake shot seven times. As a black man, there's a level of anger and rage uh, that I have. Mm-hmm. And knowing all, you know, the, I mean, there's so many names. We can't even mention Elijah McClain. We can right. just keep going. Right. I and mean, yeah. it, 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 is, it is absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. that we can even normalize this conversation that we're having mm-hmm. about the, the level of violence perpetrated against Black people and people of color in this country. Mm -hmm. And that we have literally accepted it. And this is what I think is going to upset folks. And this is what it's important that we're honest about this. We have been outworked and outorganized and beaten Mm -hmm. by the people who have completely antithetical aims to us and our success and our ability to just thrive as people. There was a time and i 'll tell a personal story. I was at Harvard Law School, and there was a guy that I used to argue with over policy uh in in class and it 's no secret Barack obama was 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 my classmate, and so we're all there arguing and everybody had different views and this one this one you know white guy who uh, had completely antithetical values to mine, and we would always bump heads talking about a case always you know and but it was at a time where you could still have discourse outside of class. So it wasn't like just because he and I argued in class didn't mean I couldn't talk to him outside of class. And he would always tell me, I said, man, where are you going? To? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going into Boston. Because you know, for those of you who know, Harvard is in Cambridge, which is not Boston. It's yes. in Cambridge. I said, man, where are you going to Boston? For? Oh, I have a meeting. He was going to meetings as a as a Harvard mm-hmm. Law student, mm-hmm. ultra right winger. Mm-hmm going to heritage foundation meetings, going to planning meetings. These are the, everything that we're seeing happening today is certainly vestiges of 400 years of systemic racism, but also vestiges of the last 30 to 40 years of a systemic attempt to create pockets of poverty and incarceration, defund public schools, um, create create generational poverty, exploitation through exploitative financial products, including payday lending, all of these things that we know are in place that are so, so laboriously negative for our community, yet we have stood by and not organized against it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're organizing and now we're just seeing an inkling, an inkling of our power to move the meter when we say no. And just like Karen just said, enough is enough. And, and if, if we have to triple down this level of activism and energy. And everybody has their own way and strength about going about it. And I'm not saying everybody has to be boots on the ground at a protest. That's right. That's right. There are, uh, many, there are so many different pillars of work to make a difference. And that's why it's like I posted something about voting. On my instagram and there was a number of, of, of people who came on and said hill you know we had a black president and we voted and nothing's changed and da, 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 da. And you know voting just voting isn't the answer but that's one that's of the right. pieces right that's right so voting is a pillar
2: right.
3: economic and 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 wealth building and dealing with the wealth gap is another pillar mm-hmm. police defunding the police and creating mental health and all of the different pillars education, these are all individual pillars that can create a foundation for equity, equality, what Karen was talking about. But oftentimes we end up arguing about what the solution is and we don't do any work in any of the pillars. So, right. that, so that people, people we're getting beaten. We're getting out-energied. And, um, and I'll tell you, it's, it's difficult to have this conversation Coming out of the the, the 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 Jacob Blake shooting because right. it, it I believe many of us, to be quite honest, my father was a psychiatrist. I believe many of us are suffering from PTSD okay. and real trauma. I'm talking about real, deep seated trauma that right. we haven't been dealt with. Right. So many. Of, I was talking to a sister last night who I suggested get some counseling, and she was like, "No." I'll just talk to my pastor or and she had all these these feelings about why she she didn't need counseling and she didn't want to appear that she needed counseling. And I'm saying you just responding to me the way you did shows me that you actually do need to talk to somebody. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You know we have that conversation too on this this (laughs) podcast. So all of I know this is a lot and it is a lot to talk about, but but we have to individually look at ourselves in the mirror Mm -hmm. and say, we're only here for a reason in the season, and if not now, then when? If not us, then who? We, this is the time when we have to put our foot on the accelerator. We have to take risks, and whatever intuition you have where you want to have impact, whatever that is, mm-hmm. you've got to go right. fearlessly, and you've got to go now. You don't have to do everything. Do what, do what makes your heart be faster. That, whatever that lane is that you care about, this is the time to go lean into it 200% because we need you to do that.
2: And Alexis, i just like to jump in.
3: Um, I,
2: you know, I want to keep it 100 as well. Right. And when uh, Hill said, you know, we haven't organized, I want to take aim at that a bit because we have, but maybe we have not done it effectively. I mean, you have organizations like the NACP who's been here 111 years. That doesn't mean 111 years has been it's been at its best, right? Um, you have other organizations that have been doing this work for decades. I I want to think uh, that in the past, maybe we were looking at being individual heroes in the effort, thinking that our way was the best way or the only way and everyone was scattershot doing their own thing. And I think uh, in, like, the last couple of years, we're to the point now where there's an understanding. There is no one organization that is going to solve this problem. There is, we have got to come together, come together collectively as organizations, as individuals, um, and say, okay, you know, urban league, you might have strength here. So you lead on this piece. National, national, you know, Nan, you, you, you know, you're really good at this. And, you know, and where we kind of understand that we're all working toward the same thing. And so we got to do a better job of working together. And I will be the first to say that maybe there was a bit, a bit too much, maybe competition, you know, in this effort. Um, and civil, there's no room for competition in this movement. And I think we're seeing the various organizations working better together. And that's what we need if we're gonna really be successful in this fight.
3: Right. I think that that's true, but Karen, I, I, I'll tell you, I didn't say we haven't organized, I say we've been out-organized. That's what I said, out oh, mm-hmm. meaning we've been beaten. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no reason that, that any of our legacy organizations should have stood by over the last 30 to 40 years and watched police department after police department be literally taken over by white supremacists Um, we could have done the reverse we could have created a whole thing of populating police departments with young black young men and women and we would have a completely different relationship to the police if we had done that strategically and set up programs and scholarships for for police all these different things, and obviously hindsight is 2020 but Part of the issue, and, and this is, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly not coming on to take issue with our legacy organizations. I am no, very no. grateful and proud of them. But one of the problems, because you actually brought it up, so I'm going to have to speak to it. One of the problems is that mo- many of our great legacy organizations have done a horrendous job seeding new talent and bringing young people into leadership positions, old fogies, have held on to their positions forever and they haven't brought new people along. There's no reason that young, brilliant Rashad Robinson should feel like he has to start Color of Change when, when he could have been at the NAACP being groomed and he could be president of the NAACP right now. Um, you know, he's a young, brilliant brother. Yes, he is. And so, so it's, he felt that he had to start a new organization yep. to do yes. the same work. Right. right, and and so we have to understand that part of cross generational growth and sustaining of activists and activism has to do with bringing in mentoring and seeding over power and position to young voices, and our legacy organizations have not done that historically. Okay, so let me jump
1: in here. So let's think about our audience and who's, who's watching. So, you know, um, one of the things that has been happening to me, and I mentioned this to you, Hill, when we were talking about this program is, you know, over the last two months, I've gotten more phone calls about what can I do for my clients? How do I counsel them? What are some of the things that they can do in the community? Alexis, I'm thinking about a mentoring program. What do you think about that? So Karen, um, you know, speaking to, you know, Hill talking about, we, we've been, you know, out organized and things like that, but you know, let's flip that. So we're here now, right. What can companies do to partner with organizations like NAACP to Affect real change? Like, what can my fellow PR practitioners advise consumer brands today? What should they be doing?
2: Yeah, well, I actually do that work, right? So I'm right. a volunteer with the NAACP as vice chairman, but I, you know, uh, consult with companies and talk to them. And in the beginning, you know, everyone was you know, really trying to work on their statements, right? So everyone was kind of trying to say, what do I say? What do I say? Who are the organizations we give to, you know, now Uh, as they got through Q2 and they said what they said, you know, they are trying to put together the plan. And so at this point in time, since, you know, they've given the outrage to the statement, they've made those donations. Now it's like, now what? And it really comes to the hard work of looking internally and saying, okay, what are our systems like? How, how many, how many people of color do we have on our board of directors? How many do we have in our C-suite? What is the culture actually in terms of how we're going about measuring progress? And what is the talent development? What, what are we doing around recruiting? You know, there's, there's a lot, and it's really a comprehensive assessment that." we're saying companies need to take because it's not just about giving money to organizations. Um, It's not just about putting out a statement, you know, saying, you know, this should not be. It's about how are companies able to, in terms of the vendors that they're working with, the communication firms that they're working with, what level of diversity are they having with the law firms that are coming in and working on them? There's a lot that organizations can do and I think that you know they understand that this time is different. You know there have been, as we know, killings of Black people, um, and you know there have been some protests, but there has not been anything like this. And I think they recognize that we need we need we need to kind of figure this out. Because the other positive thing is that people that look at look like us in these companies are speaking up. And maybe they may not have been as vocal before, but the company has said, we want to hear, and they're hearing a lot. And some have been shocked by it, by some of the experiences that people have had. But it's really about, you know, doing the work internally before you're so concerned about talking externally. Because as we've seen some companies do, that's kind of gotten out there on the front foot a bit. You know, their employees have said, wait a minute, you talking all this, but Look at, look at what's happening here in our own house. And so, um, you know, there's a lot and certainly hiring firms like yours has sort of helped steer uh, them through the process because not everyone, not all companies have chief diversity officers. They right. may not have, you know, those uh, people inside that have the network to kind of help broker those conversations. Right. So, uh, you know, it's a time where there's a lot of opportunity to get it right, but instead of looking outside, there's a lot of internal reflection that has to happen about how you, how they are, you know, handling their talent and providing opportunities for advancement.
1: Absolutely, because one of the things that um, we've noticed in, you know, like I said, I've been doing tons of media interviews and panels, and just even with our client council is What's been interesting to me is the outcry from employees. You know, yes. once these statements that came out, they received a lot of criticism and backlash from their own employees saying, how can yep. you talk about we stand by Black people and you are not even supporting your Black employees? So I think many companies have stood back and said, OK, we know that we need to do some work internally. And, you know, what we say to people is, yes, you definitely need to look at internally Externally, if you have not done anything and all of a sudden you jump on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon, you're really going to look like, you know, opportunistic and Mm -hmm. not authentic. And so we encourage them to start doing the work, but you don't need to tell the world you're doing the work. Do the work. You're truly authentic because it should be about the work and not the publicity. But what happens to the brands, um, Karen, what do you think the danger is in the brands that don't
2: say anything or do anything? You know, uh, that's, that's interesting, but uh, I read somewhere that of the Fortune 50, I think it was like 45 or so kind of have said something. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it depends, right? So it's, if you're silent because you are silent doing the work and trying to get things so that you can then have the pedal, you know, further down the line, But I I think that this is a time where, you know, companies will be judged by what they do or by what they don't do. And this is not a time for companies to kind of like sit back hoping that this will pass over or sit back because it's not sure in terms of what to do and therefore kind of paralyzed through analysis of kind of not wanting to mess up. Uh, and then not do anything because of that. This is a moment where, what does that say? If you're silent, then you're complicit. Um, And so I think that uh, I'm encouraged by the number of companies that have spoken out, but that are also leaning in. Uh, But certainly we know that that is because of what has happened and we have to keep the pressure on. We have to hold them accountable. And for all of those who have made all these statements, you know, um, in October, that's about the time frame. you know, third quarter where we need to be saying, okay, X company, you said that you were giving a hundred million dollars to these organizations, which organizations did you give it to? Oh, you said that you were going to be doing an assessment on, you know, your C-suite and then putting in programs to sort of help accelerate the development of your, Uh, Black and Brown talent. What is that looking like? You know, we have to, we have to keep the pressure on because if we back up, they will back up.
1: Absolutely. And Karen, thank you so much for, for saying that, because one of the things I've been saying too is, listen, if you, if you haven't noticed, the noise has died down a little bit. So I said, we have a window of opportunity and African-American employees need to be asking for what they want right now. That's right. (laughs) People that are shepherding through multicultural African-American marketing and PR and community programs need to be shepherding those through right now because I'm cautiously optimistic but I think the window is closing. I've been saying I think it's halfway closed. It's not all the way closed. We can still feel a breeze a little bit. Depends where you are. <laughs> it's like halfway closed, but there's still some time. And so, but I agree with you. As consumers, we have to hold them accountable. And I always tell my PR, you know, colleagues, our, our jobs, we're influencing ourselves. And we're messengers. And we're tools. And we're vehicles. We're agents of change. So we have to hold our clients accountable That's as right. Us. So, Hill, I just want to ask you—you you know, building on what Karen said—because you've partnered with many companies, two of Precises, Toyota, which is how we know you and love you, <laughs> um, Mass Mutual, talking about financial literacy. Um, you know, you have a law degree. Uh, you're one of the smartest people that I think I know, and most people would agree. You seem to know everything about everything. <laughs> so, I just want to get your perspective on. What is it that you think corporate America could be doing differently? And then
3: I have a follow-up question to that. First of all, I think let me say what Karen just shared, I think is is spot on. And and if we if we talk about what corporate America could be doing differently, I, I've been talking recently about encouraging folks to think about black investment over black charity yes and the, the there's mm. a there's a very d- different sway to what that is and what that means and when we t- when we talk about from the standpoint of charity it's still folks owning it in a way because they're telling you what you can do with what they're going to give you or what they're going to give you and how you can use it. Rather than saying, I want to invest in Black people, Black business, um, Black companies that could be in the supply chain, all of these things that are an investment that, cur- that, that allow um, people from, Black businesses and Black folks from marginalized communities or what have you to create. You know, I was experienced asked me to to help launch their product called Experian Boost, where they were trying to add to their algorithm um, mobile phone payments and other automatic payments that otherwise weren't credited into your credit score and their argument to me was you know if you look at the data, you know black folks and folks from community they pay their cell bill you know we we may let other things ride, but we pay our cell bill, so right. therefore a lot of the communities Credit score should go up if 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 they load into this algorithm and you know all all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know the the argument makes sense, but at the same time, um, if if we know inherently something like uh, 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 a credit score and the algorithm that's underlying it is inherently flawed, such that people from these communities are are even if you boost their score with. So part of it was me not necessarily saying, I reject you wholeheartedly. It's like, okay, let's, let us let me become that voice in the room now that engages you. And then my big push was, let's if we're going to do this, if you want me to do it, we're going to launch it in Detroit. And, mm. and if you want me to do it, it's really going to be a financial literacy tour mm-hmm. to talk about all aspects of financial literacy of which credit score is one. Absolutely. And then you happen to have this product and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I was in a fortunate position that in that case, I didn't, you know, need, I mean, you know, I had a little leverage, right? And, and sometimes you don't have leverage. You either take it or leave it this way, we're going to do it or we're not. But right. in this case, I've, I had a little bit, but I really want folks to focus on that investment piece because what where I was trying to take them actually was, Hey, look at a city like Detroit, completely ignored by most folk. Um, How could we use Experian, multi-billion dollar international company? How could you invest in Detroit? Just small. And because if we could could create a young sister or young brother and help their new business, you know what? They're not going to pick up and move to Silicon Valley. They're going to stay right in Detroit. And they're going to create jobs in Detroit and they're gonna create opportunity. The more we push corporations to think about how that dollar can end up in our communities, in businesses, in hands where we can take it and spread it is much better than, hey, I'm gonna write you this check. Uh, I don't wanna use his name, but there was a brother who runs a black bank and he and I were talking because I've been working on, on a this black Wall Street project yeah. and and he said, he'll, Netflix announced this $100 million for deposits for black MDIs and banks. Yep. And he said, I wanted to, to jump through the phone. And I said, why? He said, well, you know, a, a deposit is actually a liability on my balance sheet if I don't have anybody to write the loans to with that money. It would be better if they just said, "Hey, we want to put we want to invest 5 million dollars, 10 million in your bank." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could then upgrade my technology. I could market myself. I could do this. I could actually maybe lower some of my rates with the investment to actually write loans. I could take maybe maybe take some of that money and write some more riskier loans that I can't write right now cuz everything's right. so tight, tight right so, right. So folks are getting publicity about saying they're going to do something when they actually haven't pulled back the onion to say, would this actually help? Mm -hmm. And that is the the part of that idea of investing versus charity.
1: Okay. So Hill, I want to ask you, because um, we mentioned the two clients that you work with, um, you know, um, that we also work with, but you have been, active for a long time. It's a huge part of who you are. You've been working on the Flint water crisis. You just talked about the financial literacy. Um, When I announced that you were gonna be a part of Culture and Convo, somebody hit me up on LinkedIn and said you spoke at a domestic violence event. (laughs) Like, you know, you've been out there. Why is activism important to you? And why should celebrities leverage their voices?
3: I never tell anybody that they should do anything, meaning they folks should do what's in their heart. Right. And it's just imp- it's important to me because it's what's in my heart. I got it. I got it from my grandparents. My grandfather was uh, on my mother's side, was a pharmacist in small town, South Carolina. He yeah. had a pharmacy called Piedmont Pharmacy in mm-hmm. Seneca, South Carolina during Jim Crow segregation. And I remember being there as a kid, w- reading cartoons and having a Popsicle and I would see people come in with potatoes and chickens and he would trade oh, wow. for prescription medicine because they couldn't mm-hmm. afford it, you know. And so, you know, the, the idea that you can do well and do good, you yes. know, has run through every part of my being. And then my grandfather, my father's side was was also in medicine. He was a physician in Iowa. So so two small towns, um, one in South Carolina, one in, in the Midwest, um, folks that were in service but also part of their service was also making money for their family to be able to eat. Right. And, and so I just saw that, that you, why are we here if we're not going to be in service? Why? I mean, what's the, what's the point? What's, what we, if someone could explain to me? So, so it, that's the way I see it. And so it's just a part of, of who I am. And if I have a platform that I can leverage in whatever way, cause I'm certainly not the biggest celebrity. I don't have, the biggest Instagram or Facebook or Twitter following. I haven't, I haven't, I have certain things that I choose to not do that I don't want to do. There are certain roles that I could have taken over the course of my career. that was certainly would have made me more famous that I felt did not represent who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm, so right. we all make different choices along the way to, 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 I think to do different things, but things I care about, I just follow my heart. Right. And, right. and, and so the, some of the financial literacy stuff, the, the, we talk about domestic violence and stuff. I think we as men have mm-hmm. to start stepping up and holding other men accountable around violence. Right, I mean, right. we, we have to start stepping up and holding each other accountable around violence against black trans women. Mm-hmm. If, if we, Absolutely. If we yeah. as men don't start doing that, how is it going to solve? It's the same thing about talking about racism and, and white folks. You know, white folks have to start holding other white folks accountable for for the racism. It can't just be black folks calling them to the task. And so the same thing happens as a man when we talk about gender violence and when we talk about violence against the LGBTQ plus community, all of these different things. So we have to start holding up that mirror. And so that's why. And so it, my whole thing is, is that I just get involved in stuff that if I'm made aware of it, I can't act like I didn't know it anymore. Mm. And so I, I, I that's a thought,
1: (laughs) right, right. So I want to open it up for our Q and a, um, one quick question, um, because Karen, I have to ask you something, but I want to ask you to give me a quick brief answer on this one. But I think it's important for our viewers is how do you remain authentic when you do a corporate partnership? Like you talked about keeping it 100 How do you remain authentic? Because I know like when we hired you or called you for Toyota, we did it for reasons. Like we knew you were a first generation Prius buyer. You had a Lexus relationship, like your values aligned with the company. So it made sense. But how do you choose those corporate partnerships?
3: You know, I I have to look at what the, the, what I think the impact could be and also what, how I could guide it myself and what kind of influence I have. And then also sometimes you get booked for a gig. I'll tell you one. And then you have to be you have to be willing to call it out too, and mm. have uncomfortable things happen because sometimes you think. Well, I'll give you a quick example. I was asked to do this this particular address to the you know entire corporate thing, and I can't. It was it was during either Black History Month or Dr. King celebration or something, and their whole it was. It, just the way it went down and I had another commitment and then they were like, you got to come it's our, it's our most important thing of the year. And it's this, this, and this. And I, to be honest, I always look at who's who shows up mm-hmm. and I went and I flew all the way to this place. And I told them it was difficult, but they're like, you got to come it's so important. And none of the C-suite white C-suite executives were there. The president CEO wasn't there. Yep. And I, I literally, stopped the engagement when I got on the mic. And I said, you know, I was invited here because this is supposedly the most important event of the year for this corporation. And I see every black person from the corporation here, but I don't see any of the folks. So if this is actually the most important event, where is the CEO? Wow. Mm. wow. And why isn't that person here? Yep, right. And so the company has to be authentic as well. They genuinely. do. And what the beautiful thing about it is I got quiet reach outs from the employees saying, hey, man, I can't, I couldn't say that because it, my, it would put me in a really difficult position as far as my job. Right. But I'm so happy you said it. And since that event, the CEO has been at that Black event uh-huh. every year since. So we have to be willing, and now, granted, they've never booked me again (laughs) and I I knew that probably would happen, but that's okay, right? That's right. You have to be willing to say, to speak that and do it. And and it seems that the, the folks that are attracted to working with me are the ones that are doing it in some type of way, right? Or at least have the best intentions. For instance, when I went to speak at Experian on their campus, the, the CEO was there speaking at the event, right? introducing me, stayed through my speech. So so they either heard or <laughs> had already made that commitment, you know, as an example. So because I like to actually go to the campus of the corporate. So it's not just me representing you out there. It's me also coming inside too to make sure those things like to your point are aligned. Mm, yeah, that's rare. That's great.
1: Nadia, I did have one more question for Karen, but hey, I know we might have some questions. Do we have
0: questions coming yes, in? We do, we do. Is your question what I think it is for Karen?
1: It's probably what you want it to be.
0: Uh, it's probably what I wanted to. Be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to piggyback some of the questions are aligned with what Hill just left off on. Okay. So especially with when Hill was talking about that corporation whose CEO didn't show up, but then after started showing up. Mm-hmm. So one question is, is from Nasinga Burton. What do employees do if companies don't meet the benchmark they establish for themselves? But there's a follow-up that I think that goes perfect with Hill's uh, uh, piece from Kanata hearing. How do you hold your companies accountable as an employee, as a bl- as the Black person at your company? How are you, what do you, What are you supposed to say to these managers, these leaders, your CEO who doesn't show up? You know, unfortunately, you don't want to get fired or not rehired by like Hill, even though Hill's great. But what are you supposed to supposed to say? that? I think that, especially for our viewership, a lot of PR people, a lot of advertisers are watching and they're like, okay, we got it. We know this is wrong. We know, but what are we supposed to say?
2: Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in first on this because certainly I've been in a corporation for 22 years um, before retiring. And, you know, it's something as simple as at the town hall meeting, the global town hall meeting or the, the meeting that the manager has with, you know, the team to ask, you know, and then when they do quick Q and A to say, by the way, can you give us an update in terms of what's happening with X, Y, and Z that was announced in March, um, asking the question about, you know, and, and asking for things, right? So if there is a training, uh, whether it's the ELC mid, mid manager symposium that you've heard about and think you would benefit by going by going, to ask the company whether or not they would be interested in um, partnering with ELC or Black Enterprises. Uh, I think it's the Power power of Women Summit, okay. right? Yes, by asking those questions because now is not the time to stay silent. And I know uh, one of the things that I believe in all my heart and this goes to what Hill was saying that if we have the privilege of being at these tables we have an obligation to speak up and to ensure that we are doing our part to make a difference because people sacrifice for us to get in these companies, not just to make a lot of money, but that's fine, but also to to, to really do our part to help our communities.
0: Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a comment to that. They're going, they're going ham on, on what you just said. But um, the, the, I think the tricky part about First of all, you can't just pop up a cute face like that in the middle of a.: Hi, Pierce. <laughs> that is so <laughs> Hi. Um But there's a, there's a follow-up to that question to say, okay, so, you know, maybe we do start speaking up at certain, you know, certain meetings. But what happens when the person who was advocating for you, the one Black superstar was advocating for you, and then they leave? They leave the company. Yep. They move on. What okay. do we do now?
2: <laughs> so, so I was one of those. But before leaving, we had, we had a group and I am so proud of the ones that are still there and they are fighting the good fight, you know, and, you know, they give the updates, but, but we have to, we, we have to, it can't just be one uh, because ones leave. We've got to sort of have these networks where you have, you know, where, you know, the black, the most senior blacks are getting together or we're the middle managers of supporting each other because being in these companies sometimes can be hard and it can be lonely. And you got to find the network to kind of keep giving, your, giving yourself the strength to kind of say, I'm okay, you know, because these companies will have you doubt yourself sometimes if you let them, right? But what I know is that we are so powerful and sometimes we let our power get zapped by these folks who can be intimidated by us and so we got to find ways to connect in with others that gives us a strength when we're getting low um that can keep us encouraged to keep going on and that you know we all find our way to lead because it don't even matter what level you're at you don't have to be a senior manager you know, there are people who are, you know, sitting at the, the, the security desk who can find ways to lead, and they do. And we just have to also respect them, right? And not get caught up in titles and levels because we all have agency.
0: So, speaking of all of us having agency and all, all of us on all levels, Karen, talk about what NAACP is doing right now or has can, been
3: can doing. Can I jump in real quick on this point? Yes. I just want to say something real quick, and I think it's important. Um, don't I, there's there's two things I think folks out there some on me thinks that people, someone needs to hear this so one don't think that you're in it on your own meaning yes. leverage people outside of the organization yes. as you know you can do that quietly you can do that very strategically there have been folks that have reached out to me say hey, listen I'm not in a position to be able to, to do this internally but I'm going to tip you off about something that's not right and if you can either speak to this person partner with this person or bring some light to this issue that could yeah. help me bring it up internally there are strategic yeah. ways that you can use resources inside as well as outside of the organization i'm i have the ability and i'm me and many other people who aren't part of the organization no. have the ability to do things and say things that the internal person may not be able to do that does but i if i don't know about it or you haven't reached out to me Absolutely. leverage me to do it i've had people book me for speeches watch this specifically within an organization asking me to specifically bring up certain issues around inclusion and diversity that have been ver- that have been unheard within it But it's all of a sudden, it's this outside person saying the exact same thing. That's right. And then doing a call to action that it looks like it's coming from me, but it was actually the person who set me up to do the speech. So I say, okay, you know, raise your hand if, 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 if X. Raise your hand if X. Oh, not enough people raise your hand. Okay, how about, okay, next week, Who's, who will volunteer for a meeting about this? And then I could put somebody on the spot, all of a sudden, it looks like it's spontaneous, but it was planned.
2: Right. That's
3: right, that's right. right. So hill. don't think right. that you can't be strategic. That's number one. Number two, remember you still have power and agency over your life. If you are that's miserable right. in your job, you do not have to stay. Life is too short. There you you don't feel forget that fear, that false evidence appearing real that makes you feel like you can't leave that gap. Maybe all of the things that in, in messaging you've gotten has has said it's time for you to leave. Don't be there if it's making you miserable, if it's crushing your soul and spirit. Go start your own business. Go join up with Alexis. Do something. You know, <laughs> whatever that is, the point is you don't have to allow fear to stop you from moving on sometimes moving on is the best thing to do um you know and 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 somebody out there i feel like needs to hear that because it takes courage and it's hard to do but you know if you get into that fearless space and say you know what life is too short for me to stay in this position in this place i'm going to take a step out on faith and i'm going to go for what i really want in my heart you know that's my son is right here right what example would it me- mean for him if I was continuously going to a position that I truly did not um, like at all? Absolutely. Our, our next generation needs to see us being courageous. Yes. And, 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 and you're right, there is going to be some uncertainty, but we have to step out on faith and be fearless and go.
1: See, every once in a while, Hill Harper turns into a preacher. And, and, and hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, amen amen because you know i have a testimony i left a company that was good to me yep. for a certain time but it started eating at my soul yep. and i left and i started precise and listen it's 20 years later yep that's Never right no and you do you have to step out on fear to do that yep. next question nadia we have time for one more quick question oh you're gonna make me choose one. Ugh. Okay, Or wait. I can ask just a wrap-up question of both,
0: unless you have a really good one. Mm, why don't you... Okay. Some people are going to be upset, but it's okay, because they are getting nuggets. So why don't you wrap up your, your question, because I believe some of these might get answered. But Hill and Karen, they are all... There's claps in here. There's crying faces. There's laughing faces. There's all <laughs> types of stuff in here. So you guys are doing a heck of a job.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so... um To close, I would like to ask both of you, for our viewers and our listeners, what can we all be doing in our roles as communications professionals, content creators, corporate influencers, reputation builders, and brand ambassadors to sustain and build on the Black Lives Matter movement that started this summer? So we saw all those statements come out, we don't want them to be empty, but what can we do in our positions? Karen?
2: Yeah, so I'll start and I'll say, um, a lot of companies take the advice of these consultants that they bring in or those that are sitting at the table. And I think it's important that you not, we not, minimize where we are, where we are reminding them that, well, you know, you said X, Y, and Z, you know, we need to continue to meet on this. I think, I know one of the things that I'm also doing is as I'm seeing things that other companies are doing and whether it's good or bad, sending them to my clients and saying, hey, just FYI, because the CEOs, they have so many varying priorities that they have going on. And, you know, I find that it's important to continue to remind them and to remind them of the benefits that come, like they will have better companies by focusing on this and reminding them that, you know, you know, there are things going on that, you know, being in the space that I am where I'm kind of privy to conversations that's happening to kind of like warn them, like, you know, this is, this is not going away, you know, uh, and just kind of keeping them focused and also kind of showing them what their peers are doing and how they are, you know, doing better, uh, you know, either reputationally or just, you know, sort of some of the, 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 the leadership position that they're getting in the public sphere, because while it should be about doing the right thing, it's also about the business case, but the business case we have, I mean, there is research up the wazoo as to why this should be and how you benefit from it. At the end of the day, we need to marry them both. And, you know, and as Hill said, if someone ain't doing it right, you know, you you can sort of drop a dime <laughs> you know, uh, to those speakers that are coming in and/or reaching out to some of your friends who may be connected in ways to say, "Hey, you know, stuff ain't stuff ain't happening right." And I know that we hear that a lot at the NAACP, and we, you know, find ways to to to, to engage on some of those. And so um, we have to believe in ourselves, and we have to know the power that we wield even when sometimes we don't really fully understand it, but we are in a really powerful position right now in companies. And it's just important that we remember that, we leverage it and we, and we kind of do what, you know, those who came before us did and move forward with bravery and with courage.
3: Mr. Harford. Yes, I just want to say Karen is absolutely right, and 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 what I want to double down on the point that she just made is I believe that communications professionals. Pierce, Pierce, hold on just a second. Can I finish real quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, he, he's four and a half, so it's, it's Um. So Pierce, 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 Pierce. Two seconds, okay. Two seconds. <laughs> Here's the deal. He's, He's been good. Guys though. are powerful beyond measure. I believe in today's world, right now, that the communications professional, the brand professional, you all are the most powerful piece in this whole puzzle because this world runs off of brand, branding, and, this, and, and promotion from cool, this cool, thing that cool. we're on that's right really now, bad, this Zoom bad piece. Bad okay, and so you guys are critical. And know your power. Know it. And, and also know how it trickles down. Alexis hired me for some things. What does that do? I have a foundation. Also, I have black employees. Also, it, from her bringing me in to work, it actually trickles to so many other people. It trickles to my son, right? And being able to pay for his education. All of these things impact the way those dollars get spent. And knowing where they're going and how that person uses them is just as important as, as anything else, because all of this is about, goes back to the point I was making about Black Wall Street, a dollar changed hands seven times within the ecosystem. If we can think about that strategically within all of our brand building work and who we're hiring and how we're paying and what charities we're giving money to, and we understand you know where that money goes, we can start to circulate those dollars in such a powerful way within our ecosystem and start to create jobs, start to create businesses, start to support businesses, and then it and we actually see growth happen because of us because it's for us and by us.
2: Daddy, I'm watching and Hamilton.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thank
1: you so much, Hill. Thank you, Pierce. Thank you, thank you to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What, what,
3: what do you do? What do you, Pierce? What do you do? Uh, 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 with a problem. You change the opportunity. Change wow. The opportunity. I love wow. it. I love the whole piece about this whole thing. There are problems we've been talking about. Let's yeah, all change them to opportunities. On. That's absolutely, right. Absolutely.
1: So, Hill Harper, Karen towns of NAACP. I'm going to practice saying that, even though I'm sure for forty. One forty-five years, I've been saying, I'm going to practice it. Thank you both so much for joining us on this conversation about how we can maximize um, black voices and brand power for real social change. I think that our audience got a lot of insights as well as some tactical and practical takeaways um we're going to take this zoom slash facebook live and make it available via audio on our podcast so please subscribe to the culture and convos podcast on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and
2: spotify
1: because i remembered all three yes <laughs> so audience again just think about what karen and hill said tonight um, Hill, I love that you said we are in a powerful position.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: anybody who's watching and listening, please don't negate your power and your influence. You are agents of change you have expertise, insights, and connections to really make a difference. And I know that a lot of people that are watching us are not African American or people of color. So we appreciate our allies and you being involved in pushing these things along are extremely important. So we hope that we've provided some cultural insights that will help you in those efforts. So Everyone, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Karen, Hill, Pierce, hope you thank guys have you. a wonderful evening. Everybody, look forward to Culture and Combos, the next one, because we hope that we're getting better and better. So, thank yeah. you guys for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, Pierce.
2: Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>
0: bye. Wasn't that the cutest? Man, shout out to all of the amazing mommies and daddies working from home with their kids. We know the struggle is real. So we just see you guys and we want to recognize you guys. But that wraps up our episode. We're so glad you made it to the end. If you liked what you heard, tell us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot the episode, post it on social and tag us. Don't forget to subscribe, of course, to the show so you know every single time we drop an episode. And without further ado, you know how we end every single show. I'll see you guys next time. Peace and Afro Beats. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Precise Communications or Instagram at PreciseCom with two
2: Ms, ATL.